0: Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. We concluded today, Heroes, Heroes of the Faith. And how many of you enjoyed this series so far? It's been awesome, right? And really, it comes out of Hebrews chapter 11, uh, where you see the Apostle Paul, he outlines uh, really. The hall of fame of the scriptures and and he literally goes through one by one these different heroes of the faith and describes why they are who they are and then in chapter 12 he goes on to say now what they're doing uh, in the heavenly grandstand if you will so so let me just jump to hebrews chapter 12 here because this has been our anchor text hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 through 2 we're going to read it, and, and then we're going, to, we're going to just unpack this last hero of the faith who really, I don't know, I think I said it every week, this one's my favorite. But I think this one might be my favorite, okay? Look at this passage of Scripture. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance, meaning nothing's going to stop us. We're going to keep going. We're going to run the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And so with that in mind and with that text, the the approach we took to this series was, wouldn't it be awesome as this heavenly grandstand of of heroes of the faith who contributed so much, what if they could come down from the grandstand and, like, give us some nuggets? Like, as we run this race or we play this game, it's fourth and one, right? Like, like like how would Samson do it? How, how, how would Noah do it, right? And so that's kind of where this has led to. What would it look like as if, if one of these individuals, we talked about Rahab last week, came down and coached us through a scenario as we run this race? Um... I mentioned this quite a bit, but my grandfather, who was a pastor in this town for almost 50 years, uh, literally was my hero. He went on to be with the Lord. Um, but I was with him almost every day of my life, it seemed like. And I can remember one time being in middle school, and he said, he said son, he had this real raspy voice, he said, son, uh, how would you like to come and, and uh, uh, be a part of my senior's a uh, racquetball club team. And I thought to myself, well, what, what's that all about, right? And he said, "Oh, we get together at the YMCA and we we do we, we play racquetball together. Me and me and some buddies, right?" And, and I said, "Well, you know, I'll, sure, I'll go to that, you know." And and so, you know, I showed up there and I'm like in 8th grade. You know what I mean? I'm like 14 years old and 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 and, and the, the my first takeaway of this group of old racquetball players was how they, for whatever reason, uh, ceased to upgrade from their, you know, mid to late 70s apparel and gear. Like, like they they never, like, they, they just kept all the same stuff and kept using it. And just some of the outfits, I mean, like, the big lapel, like, and kind of, like, stretched out, and, like, the high shorts, and, you know, you know, kind of old, you know, night, you know, from the late 70s tennis shoes that had, like, no sole on it, you know what I mean? And, tube socks and the eye glass the whole the, the 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 thing around the head and and I was just kind of taken aback e- even like the rackets and stuff they were like they were like garbage you know what I mean and like I showed up in my Nikes you know and, and the whole time I'm thinking to myself like I'm gonna have to take it easy on these old birds you know what I mean like like I'm gonna I'm gonna you know mop them up on this floor and I, I'm already starting to feel bad about it you know what I mean and uh, and so so, so Pop said, all right, all right, son, all right. Oh, you're going to get in there with Brother Larry. You know what I mean? And Brother Larry was like pushing 80. You know what I mean? And, 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 so, and, he, and he, so he's there in the middle, and I walk in. I'm like, man, I just feel bad. I'm going to destroy this old guy. You know, like, I just feel bad about this. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out how, how can I keep him in the match, you know? No joke. Larry cleaned me up and down that court to where, to where I didn't... I didn't score a point. You know what I mean? And not, not only did I not score a point, I was like diving across the floor. I'm so gassed. I'm like, I can't even catch my breath. And I'm just like, ah, I'm like flying, smash my arm into the wall. And all the while, Larry just stood there and just kind of did this stuff the whole time. Like, like never even like, never broke a sweat and just like you know, ah, I'm like diving. He's like, oh, oh, that's a game, you know, match point, you know, that's, that's it. And I look back at my grandfather, and he's behind the glass, just kind of like, <laughs> just doing that whole thing, right? And he's like, all right, George, you're up, you know, you go take, take him for a run. He's probably brought in like four different old guys, man. They just, the whole time, you know, I'm just diving after it. And man, I was done, right? We finally got done, and then he went in there and just, you know, destroyed me too. You know, and we got done, and we were getting in the car, and he said, "Son, can I give you a little coaching?" I'm like, "Yeah, I think that would be wise." And he told me, "You're playing the game completely wrong. You, you, you don't, you don't see how this game really is supposed to be played. You see, you see the ball, and you're chasing the ball when the whole time you should be focused on and anticipating." where the ball's going to be when it comes off the wall. He said, "If if you can figure out the angles and the velocity and where you're at, you'll master this game. Old Larry's got that figured out. You don't. You need, watch this, a fresh perspective. You need some clarity. You need to look through a different lens as to how this particular game is played. And, and, and how many of you know that anything in life, like, it's really important that you have the right perspective when you approach whatever that thing is? How many of you know that we have a lot of obstacles? We have opposition in our life. We have stuff that we're up against. And it really is important that you have the right perspective in every matter here. And, 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 and the person who I want to talk about early on in life gains a, a real perspective on the calling that was on his life to the point nothing could stop him. Let's go to the scripture here. I want to look at 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, or it's going to be on the screen in just a few minutes. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not going to read it quite yet, but go stick your finger right there. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let me give you some context and let me set it up. It's going to take me a minute here, but it's important that I do. The Philistines were Israel's arch nemesis. And if you read the book of 1 Samuel, you'll see that they're warring against each other constantly. They're, just, they're constantly at war, constantly fighting. And, and in this particular story, the Philistines and the Israelite armies are preparing for battle. The Israelite army is on on a hillside, and and the Philistine army is on the other hillside at a place called Soka in Judah. And in the middle of these two hills was, of course, a valley, and the valley was called the Valley of Allah. And and, and so, so here they are, there's these two armies on either side, and they're getting ready for war, but there's a stalemate. And the reason why there's a stalemate is because whoever, whichever army decides to take the first step down into the valley, the opposing army now has an opportunity to just rain down on top of them. When, when, the, when that army steps into the valley, the opposing army now has the advantage, right? So, so, so with that in mind, no one's going in the valley. Takes it a step further. Both of these kings understood the amount of bloodshed, the amount of death that would have taken place if they both came down to that valley. And so to avoid that amount of bloodshed, these two kings brokered a deal. And they said, what we'll do is we'll have one man from each side come down into the valley. And whoever wins that, that, you know, drop down to death fight, the other army, right, will be your slaves, your servants, will serve you forever, kind of a thing. So with that, the Philistines had this warrior. Now, now, now almost every uh, tradition, every faith has a story like this of a giant, right? And this particular seven-foot-plus giant his name was named Goliath. And, 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 and scripture, but not a scripture, historians say he was a he was a monster of a man. He, he was a warrior and he was draped in armor. And every morning for 40 days, he would, he would walk down into that valley. And he'd look up at those Israelites and he would just mock them. And he would say, send someone to fight me. You know, you dogs. And he just, you can read all through it. I mean, he every day would come out and and, and give this, you know, this over-the-top drama and, and the speech and send someone down. And and, and of course, uh, King Saul and his army, Israel, they had no one that they felt could match up against Goliath. And, and, and so, so leave that alone for a second and the person I want to talk about today is King David. But I want to talk about this particular story of him warring with this giant. You remember that, that, that King David wasn't a king <laughs> at the very beginning. The, the, the prophet Samuel anoints his head with oil as he's a shepherd. And, 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 and sh- shortly after that, his brothers go off to war and he's there with his, his dad, Jesse. And so Jesse says to his son's son, go to the front lines, bring food to your brothers and, and find out what's going on. So sure enough, David, he gets the food and he, and he takes off to the front lines and he, and he gets to the front lines. And right as he's getting there, you can read it in scripture and we will read it here in a second. Here's Goliath. He's giving his presentation whatsoever. And he begins to ask questions, right? He's like, what's going on here? What, what's that all about? And then he starts even asking more questions is what, what will happen to the man who actually defeats this giant? And, and they're kind of blowing him off. And he kind of steps up and says, I'd like to do that. Let me take a chance. And they're like, come on, little brother, kind of a thing. You can, you can interpret that through scripture and, and, and what they're, how they're responding to him. You, you can't do it. You're just a little boy. And he says, I can do it. And then from there, he takes off and he, and, and he gets into, into Saul's courts. And he explains himself. He says, like, I, I, can, I can beat this dude. And Saul's like, no, you can't. You're a little kid, right? And he somehow convinces Saul to let him take a chance with it. So Saul says, you're going to take all my armor. And he's, no, no, I'm good. I don't need all that. All I need is, remember this, my slingshot and five little stones. And so the story goes that they, they, they commissioned him to fight him. And David gets those five stones and he heads down into the valley of Allah, the underdog. And how many of you know, every person in this room, we love stories about the underdog, don't we not? I love that story, that movie Invincible, where Vince Papple, he's the he's the the local bartender in Philadelphia and the 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 Eagles they 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 say hey we're going to have an open tryout for the team and he's like I'm going to do it and sure enough he he actually makes the team as just this bartender in the neighborhood and and that story like, yeah and he catches a pass we're like yeah we knew we always knew he could do it you know what i mean and and then of course my favorite movie of all time Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory where you got you got Charlie Bucket, you know, and he's this poverty-stricken kid with no hope. All of his grandparents sleep together in the same bed, and 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 he gets an opportunity to to go to the chocolate factory, and and through a whole series of events, he passes all the tests, and then he gets to like own the the entire chocolate factory. And I love the last part where they're floating over the city, and he looks at Willy Wonka, and he's like, he's like, do I get to live here? And he's like, yes. And he's like, do I get to bring bring my grand? He's like the whole family, Charlie. It's all yours. And we're like, "Yes, we knew he we always knew it." You know what I mean? Get, I mean, I could go on and on Rocky, and he's fighting the Ru- the Russian in Rocky 4. I must break you and, and 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 he literally he's so tough that he goes to Moscow, right? In the middle of the Cold War. You know what I mean? And and like in like in in defeat, dun, 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 dun. it's like that picture and he wins and they throw the, the faces off. We love that, don't we? And that's exactly what we're looking at here. This is the exact type of a setup here. And what I love about these types of stories, we love these underdog stories because we often can see ourselves in them. Can we not? I love this story because as we read this in, in, in 1 Samuel, we all gravitate to David because there's times in our lives where we face giants that we seem to think are impossible to take down. Right? And the amazing thing about every underdog story is that the underdogs never see themselves as that. Have you ever noticed that? Like, as you're watching these movies or reading these stories, you, you never really see any of them, like, questioning whether or not they're going to do whatever they're going to do. They're just like, I got this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'll, I'm going to catch every pass thrown to me. You know what I mean? And it's like there's, there's something about these underdogs where they don't even see themselves as underdogs themselves. They always have a different perspective than the onlooker until they actually accomplish whatever they set out to do, and then the onlookers go, oh, yeah, we always knew that. No, you didn't. No, you didn't, right? I love this. There's times in our lives where the adversity is too much. The odds are stacked against us, and it's in those moments we have to make some real decisions. We have to figure out as to how we are going to see our giants. What kind of perspective, what kind of lens are we going to look to? And I just believe today. I, you know, let's just make believe here. If, if David were to come out of that grandstand as as he's plastered in Canton, Ohio, that's football, but you know what I mean. He's like he's like on the Hall of Fame. He's got the bust up there. And if he were to come down, how? I, I just believe in the area of coaching, like my grandfather, you got you to see the game differently. I think David would talk in those terms. I, I think he would say, son, daughter, let, let me talk to you a little bit about perspective and how I was, over to, I was able to overcome some giants in my life. It required perspective. And, and so I, here, here, here's a few. If you're taking notes, just write these down. Here's, I got I got three little perspective shifts. So write this first, number one. I think he would say, see the opportunity, not just the obstacle. I just I think he would say, see the opportunity, not just the obstacle. We all see the obstacle, but man, if you can, if you can find an opportunity in that big scary obstacle, go for it. Right? See the opportunity, not just the obstacle. And I want to take you back to before this battle ever started. I, I mentioned it. Samuel seeks out little David, who's just a shepherd out in the in the in the in the in the woods, and he anoints him as the next king of Israel. But he didn't like walk right into the palace. He actually sent him back out, like, go back to doing what you're doing, man. We'll we'll uh, we'll text you when we're ready. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) So he goes off and he's he's literally back to, to what he always did, but he had been appointed for something greater. And maybe you're here today and and you had a moment with God. Maybe it was a week ago. Maybe it was 25 years ago. I don't know. But you had a moment where there was clarity and you just felt like there was a mantle placed on you or you were given an assignment of some kind that was straight from God. But man, you're just kind of, you've been doing what you've always done. And and you're like questioning, like, what's going on here? I, I believe that David, right? had those exact same feelings as he was walking around with those sheep. Man, the prophet said that I'm the next dude. All my brothers heard this. I'm, I, he, he was a human, and of course David had all of his issues. I mean, so there was some of that, but I also believe as we read the story that, that 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 David, because of that reality in his life, when he saw the obstacle of of, of Goliath, I don't think he just saw it as to what it was, but he, he, he actually saw an opportunity in that giant. See the opportunity, not just the obstacle. Let's get to the Bible, pastor. Okay, 1 Samuel 17, here it is. Let's read it. You'll see it on the screens. David left his things with the keeper of supplies. He ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Goth, stepped down out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Verse 24. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt him and his family from taxes in Israel. I think that's a pretty good deal. Um, David asked the man standing near him, hey, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now watch, they repeated, meaning they said it again, they repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, "This is what will be done for the man who kills him." Now jump down to verse 30. He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter to the men, and, and, and those men answered him as before. So, he, so he's like, he's like, "Tell me just one more time. I just want to get real clear on the payout here, right? Verse 31, when David said, what David said was overheard and it was reported to King Saul and Saul sent for him, probably because he thought he was mad, okay? David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your boy's here, (laughs) right? Your servant, (laughs) you just imagine, right? What Saul's thinking, your servant, I'm here. And i'll go I'll, I'll go handle this business, you know what I'm saying? like like I got this, right? Man, I love that, right? D- David's like, "Heck, yeah, I got this. And the question is, why was he so um empowered and so brave and and why was he he wasn't terrified at all because because what others saw as opposition David saw as an opportunity. Everybody else said so that's just. That's just clear opposition. And David, he sees it clearly as an opportunity. And the question is why? The reason is, I just answered it, because before, he, he knew who he was in God. He knew what he was called to do. He knew what he was anointed to do. And he knew that he wouldn't be fighting this battle alone. We just sang the song, guys, right? He clearly understands this. He understood that the battle was for him, and it wasn't against him. The battle was always designed as an opportunity to walk into everything that God had already called him to, everything that he'd already been anointed to. And some of you, some, someone in here needs to hear this today. Someone, someone in this room needs to understand this. I believe there are more battles that God allows for your increase than those that the enemy creates for your destruction. I just believe that, man. And so see the opportunity, not just the obstacle. You with me? Here's the second one. Write this down. See God's victory, not just the valley. Let me say that one more time. See God's victory, not just the valley. You need to understand some more context here and understand what was at stake here you need to understand in order for the battle to commence, watch this, someone had to be brave enough to walk down into the valley of Allah to fight. If anyone was going to win this battle, it was going to be won in the valley and not on the mountain. That is where it was going to take place. And, and, and the valley, here, here's another thing. The valley was crucial. It, 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 um, it meant so much specifically uh, to the kingdom of Israel because if Israel loses this battle, it splits up the kingdom. It, it, it'll divide the kingdom of Israel and it'll have a massive impact on the on the lineage of Christ. And so, the, I mean, the stakes are really here. They're, they're really high and... God had, how many of you know that God had another plan for that valley? He, he always had another plan for that valley and he, and, and, and he has another plan for your valley as well. Maybe you're in a valley today and I want you to know you, you feel pressure and overwhelmed and that you're losing the battle. But I want you to know today, even though you're in that valley and even though you're in the middle of a fight, I promise you, if you'll continue to persevere, like Paul wrote about, the, the victory will be won in the middle of your pain in the middle of that valley, not, not on the mountaintop, right? And what I love about that is you'll get to the mountain and you'll be able to go, hey, I was down there. <laughs> I was down there. You remember when I was down there. That, that's where we overcame down in there because that's exactly where the victory will take place. And David realizes this. And look, and look, what, he, look what he does here. Verse 48 of 1 Samuel chapter 17. It says, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David bailed. No. David ran quickly toward, say toward. He ran toward the battle line to meet him. As his opposition, as the obstacle was coming towards him, he didn't turn around and, you know, you know lolly up some grenades and say, oh, I hope this works out. No, no, he actually met him right where he could bring it. Bring it now. Come on. Here's the line. Let's go right now. Right? He, he literally, had, he, he, he moved into pain. I, I hate pain, man. I'm just going to be honest. I hate it. I hate everything about it. I, my whole life, I feel like every day, it's like, like how, how can I avoid pain today? I, I'm just being honest. Like, how can I not get hurt? I, I feel like that's I, it's something I got to work with all the time, right? And, but how many of you know that we can't avoid it all? And and we're going to feel it. And we're going to feel the pressure. And there's going to be hurt and heartache and and betrayal and all kinds of things in our life. But I love this. It's in the pain where we ultimately win. And I'm reminded of what Paul wrote to that church in Rome. Look at this passage of scripture, Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. This is one of those ones. If you're going to get any uh, scriptures tattooed on you, this is a cool one, okay? This is a good one. Um, this is what it says. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know the suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, here it is, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us you will win going through the pain and not just simply avoiding it today. So, so, the first, so see the opportunity, not just the obstacle. See God's victory, not just the valley. And here's the third one as the band comes back. And that is, see your advantage, not just your adversary. See your advantage, not just your adversary. One of my favorite authors like, of all time, his name's Malcolm Gladwell. And he's written some pretty cool books. He wrote Outliers. He wrote Tipping Point. He wrote um, Blink. Just really, just really cool stuff. And in fact, he, he wrote another book. is actually titled David and Goliath. And it's really, it's a series of short stories of underdogs where perceived major disadvantages actually turn out to be the things that they use to overcome whatever situation they're in. So like the thing that appears to all of us, like, oh man, uh, because of your, uh, uh, the way you were born or, or different setbacks and like we all see it, like that's gonna be a disadvantage for your life. These people in, in this book, in these stories, actually use that thing to help them overcome whatever they were facing. It's kind of a, it's kind of a cool thought, isn't it? And so he goes through this. And, and, and in there, he talks about uh, these a specific type of warriors who were actually called slingers. And if you read the book, you know where I'm going with this. But in, in the ancient, uh, I was actually talking to Jesse about this, like there was, there was, you know, they had rules of engagement, different ways they waged war against each other, and they had different jobs like, like our military does. And, and there, was, there was one type of a warrior called a slinger. And, and uh, historians will explain to you that these slingers um, either use rocks or or little um, like balls of lead, like like just just and 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 they could and they could get to swing in it, right? And and these slingers, uh, historians will tell you that the velocity coming out of that slingshot would be the same as like a bullet coming out of a 45 uh, magnum uh, handgun. I don't know anything about guns, sorry, but I'm just saying like that's how that's how powerful that rock would be coming out of that. And not only that, they, they could hit moving targets, like birds, like, and there it goes, and boom, and take it right out of the air, just like, like shooting a gun, right? It's a fascinating thought. These slingers, and how many of you know that uh, David had a slingshot? How, how many of you know that David spent a lot of time alone out in the woods? Had a lot of, you know, the sheep are good, I'm gonna... I don't know. Practice my slingshot, and you can you can unpack you know it's more of the historical side of King David. But m- many believe that he got to a place just a- as a as a a middle schooler, where 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 he he could he could literally, uh, you know, sling that puppy and 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 just nail. I mean, we read that he kills these wild beasts and all of this stuff, right? And and so he had this incredible talent. and and, and, and So so with that in mind, David shows up and he says to himself, I got something that he don't got. I'm a slinger. This fight is fixed, man. You You know what a fixed fight is? It's like when everyone's in on it, but one of them isn't right like it's it's done like it's already you can you can do whatever you want but this I mean this boxing match no no no, we're all in on this thing and that dude's going down no matter what right the thing is fixed and and David he sees this this advantage that he has and he says I got this <laughs> hey what do I uh <laughs> say it again just say it again uh, I get I get the daughter too <laughs> what what else come on keep keep coming right How, hey you over there We just run through the list of stuff that I'm going to get once more to the point where he's giving speeches to who does this vile, uncircumcised dude, I'm going to feed his body. I mean, he, why is he so amped up and fired up? Because he knows that he's already won. He knows that he's got this thing because this thing was fixed from the very beginning. And at the moment, in that moment, he was the only one that truly understood this. Goliath had a blind spot. He had a blind spot. And David took advantage of that blind spot. And we'll finish the rest of it here in a second. But I, want, I just want to encourage you today. Did you know that the enemy has one too? Like, like the enemy has a blind spot. And look at this. Look at this passage of Scripture. Look what Jesus says in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Now here, here's what you got. This is the enemy's blind spot. Are you ready? Verse 17, the spirit of truth. Meaning, the Holy Spirit, the world, the world cannot accept Him, because it neither sees Him, nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He lives with you, and will be in you. The Holy Spirit is inside you. Your friends don't know it. Your enemies don't know it. They, 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 Jenny's hopeless. She's overwhelmed, overcome. But I want you to know something, Jenny. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have the power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Scripture says lives inside of you and your adversary doesn't know it and the fight is fixed, my friend. Love that. And here's what I want you to know. Your giant is mocking you. He or she is taunting you. That thing, that financial situation that you can't get out of, that health thing that the doctor said, there's nothing else we can do. I want you to know, friends, it's time to activate your advocate in your life. The enemy doesn't even realize that you're about to unleash (laughs) all of heaven. On him. Let's go to the text and then we're gonna pray. 45 through 47, 1 Samuel chapter 17. David said to the Philistine, I can I, I'm just I don't know if he was already doing this, but I feel like he was. Right. You come against me with the sword and spear, javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He even said it like that. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And I'm going to go ahead and strike you down and cut your head off. This very day. I love this part. This is awesome. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Look at verse 47. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's and he will give it all into our hands. You see, my friend, The fight was always fixed. The fight was always his and not yours. If you've walked in here today and you've been trying to fight on your own, trying to make it happen for yourself, and you feel overwhelmed and conquered today, now is your moment. We're going to pray in one second. Now is your moment to finally relinquish control. Now is your moment to literally lay it at the feet of Jesus and say this financial thing, God. I've been trying to do it, I'm, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna trust in you with this matter. I've done everything I can do, and I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna continue to steward whatever that thing is, but I want you to take control. I wanna hear from you, Holy Spirit. I am activating the advocate. I'm activating the Holy Spirit in my life, and I'm just gonna lay it at your feet right here because it's not even my fight. It's your fight, and not only is it your fight, you've already won it for us. We know what happens. In the end. So, t- this morning, I just came to encourage you in that. I know there's a lot of people in this room where you're facing some real obstacles in your life. You're down in the valley right now and you're just slugging it out and you feel overwhelmed. I'm here to tell you today that that thing could turn out to be a real opportunity in your life, right? S- see what's there. See how you can finesse that thing. And then invite the Holy Spirit into the matter. Allow, allow him to go before you. I mean, I'm serious. I don't want to sound generic here. Some, something happens in our mind, in our spirits, when, when we can, we can almost like, in the spirit, visualize him out in front of us just slaying dragons, right? And we can just kind of, we can just kind of get behind him, right? And, oh, he got you. You know what I mean? Like, like, i gotta, I got to visualize this, this kind of, I'm, I'm driving in my car, I'm like, I'm just behind you, Holy Spirit, on this thing. I don't know what to do. i, I got to walk into this meeting right now. I don't have an answer. They're expecting me to say something, but I'm just going to open my mouth and, and you can just do it. And you know what's cool is that he does. That's what's cool. Scripture's very clear. That, that Scripture says that, like, I, I'm going to speak in your behalf, but you got to have the, you have, a, you have to have a, enough courage and strength and put your faith in me to allow me to work in you. It's We talked about it last week. Isn't it cool how the God of the universe, his entire plan was to partner with us. To partner with us. He has the power to do it on his own, but he loves you so much, sister, today. So much, brother. He partners with us and says, you do what you can do, but I'm... I'm gonna go before you. And so I hope that encourages someone in here today. We're never gonna avoid the valley. Jesus was clear about that. In this life, you're gonna face all kinds of stuff, trouble, pain. But but he didn't just go, see ya, so I don't have to tell you. What does he say? He says, but take heart, right? Take heart, I'm with you. You're not gonna escape the pain, but man. It's in the pain where we find the ultimate win. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.